The Kings are suddenly on a losing streak, and a former King has a big night. We'll talk about that and more on this edition of Locked On LA Kings. You are Locked On Kings, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Kings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Kings fans, welcome to Locked On LA Kings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On LA Kings your first listen every day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcasts. We'd love for you to leave us a positive comment on Apple Podcasts if you're a fan of the show. And we are on YouTube. Please like and subscribe if you're enjoying this content. I'm Eddie Garcia, your host of Locked On LA Kings. I've worked in sports media for the past 30 years, 20 plus years at the Fox Sports Radio Network. I'm also co-host of the Puck Podcast, a weekly NHL review show. That's been putting out content for the past 17 years and a passionate L.A. Kings fan for over 30 years. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 back. If your team wins, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Well, our team didn't win last night. The uh, L.A. Kings falling to the Winnipeg Jets on home ice by a score of five to two and the Kings suddenly find themselves on a three game losing streak. Lots to discuss about this one, uh, but let's give you a quick recap in case you missed the game and a couple of quick notes on the game. Uh, we talked about it on Wednesday's show, but defenseman Vladislav Gavrikov out for this game and now listed as week to week. So he's going to miss multiple games. It was initially day to day because of that knee on knee collision that he had. It resulted in an injury against the Islanders uh, Jacob Movarar was plugged into the lineup to replace him, playing on that second pairing with Matt Roy. However, Arthur Kaliev did not play in the game on Wednesday against the Jets. He's dealing with some flu-like symptoms. He did skate that morning. It led us to believe he'd probably play in the game, but not the case, and he was uh, replaced in the lineup on the fourth line by Jarrett Anderson-Dolan. As for the game against the Jets, good start for the Kings. They jump out to a 2-0 lead in the first period. Andre Kopitar puts in a loose puck on a power play, his 11th of the season. That got the Kings the early lead. And then Alex LaFerriere uh, put a shot on net from an impossible angle that went in. We'll talk more about that in a bit, but his third of the year and third of his career. And the Kings looked pretty good up to nothing. However, things would change in a big way in the second period. It was a period dominated by Winnipeg. Jets scored three goals in that period, two from Nikolai Ehlers, who was flying around the ice, very impressed with his speed and skill. Uh, and suddenly L.A. was down 3-2 going into the third period. Uh, more Jets in the third. Former King Gabe Velarde scoring early in the third period. And then Mark Shifley scores in the final seconds, his second of the game. And again, the Jets skate off with a 5-2 victory. As far as the game stats go in this one, uh, we told you 5-2 the final score. Shots on goal favored L.A. as it has most of the season against their opponents, 34-29. to The Kings had more shots on goal. Uh, as far as power plays go, uh, L.A. was 1-4 for four with that Kopitar power play goal. The Jets were 0-2, so the P.K. still getting the job done. Faceoffs won favored L.A. in a big way, 34-20. to uh, Block shots favored Winnipeg in a big way, 22-8. to in block shots. And as far as the hits go, uh, that also favored Winnipeg 22 to 18. So the Kings fall to 16, six and four on the season. They're three points back of Vancouver in the Pacific division standings for second place. They're nine points up on red hot Edmonton 
for the third spot in the division. Of course, the top three spots all automatically get playoff berths. But as I mentioned, the Kings have now dropped three in a row, and they're also five, five, and three on home ice. Now, granted, the Kings, three losses on this little skid, if you want to call it that, have all come against teams that are currently holding playoff spots. So it's not like they've lost to bad teams, but it does show you how quickly things can change when you're feeling really good about the team and the season. Uh, and then suddenly you're in a little bit of a three game slide, and now you're, yeah, it's hard not to be a little bit concerned. Um, the Kings have shown, though, over 26 games this season that they are a very good team. Uh, but they aren't good enough to just show up and not put in the work and get the results, especially against good competition. That was certainly a reminder after the Winnipeg game. I think that the one takeaway from last night's game that bothered me a bit was that the Kings flat out just got outworked, especially in that second period. Winnipeg put on their hard hat and their lunch. They grabbed their lunch pail and they went to work, and they really took it to the Kings. Um, was hoping that L.A. maybe could do what they did in Columbus, where they were being outplayed, and then have a great third period, and if not get back in the game, at least have something to feel better about uh, after you get played and dominated in, in a period. Uh, but unfortunately, that did not happen. Um, the Kings uh, had to kill off a penalty that was taken by Quentin Byfield in the final seconds of the second period. It carried over into the third, and... It seemed like that kind of kept the momentum going uh, for the Jets. I uh, mentioned the Columbus game. The Kings, of course, were able to come back in that third period and end up winning the game. Um, but it, it seemed um, that you know the Kings couldn't get in a rhythm. They were chasing a lot um, in this game, especially in that second period. And you don't want to overreact to one loss or even a handful of games, but I thought the loss against the Jets in that second period, the way they were dominated, uh, it it did bother me. Um, and the Kings are obviously a very talented team. I think they're as talented talented as any team in the league. Um, but it has to be the combination of talent and work that gets you to win games, especially in the playoffs. We saw it with Vegas last year. And, of course, you, you typically see it with your Stanley Cup champions. But it it, it is that combination of Talented players who are going to put in the work and uh, win those hard-fought games. And the Kings, we've seen them sometimes get off to good starts and then kind of cruise. Um, but there's going to be times where they're going to need to really kind of gut check it, and uh, especially against good opponents, and find a way to claw their way back into a game. If they don't win it, at least get back into the game. And uh, that it was unfortunate uh, that that did not happen against Winnipeg. Um, you know, there's an old sports cliche you're never as good as your best win and never as bad as your worst loss. And this was not the worst loss of the season for the Kings. But again, that second period, uh, it was very worrisome how badly they were outworked and outplayed, and especially on home ice. Um, and it was pointed out, and rightfully so, and we're going to get a quote from Todd McClellan here in a second, hear what the Kings head coach had to say about it. But the Kings in that second period certainly were caught on the ice at times a bit too long in the shifts. It affected some of their line changes, and that kind of had a bit of a domino effect. Uh, and I think that was accurate. Uh, I, I think that that is certainly part of the reason why the Kings uh, had the issues. But um, those things happen when you're outworked. Uh, and I think most distressing, how are the Kings outworked by an opponent who was playing their third game in four days? An opponent that had just played the night before on the road and lost. 
Um, the Kings had a full day off. They had a practice day before having to face the Jets, and they still got outworked. Uh, they did not look like the uh, team that had the more energy. And um, so that was that second period to me was as concerning of a period as I've seen from the LA Kings all season. As for what head coach Todd McClellan had to say after the game, uh, he said that uh, we got uh, slapped here a couple of times. Maybe our team needs a, needs that a bit. Uh, I'm concerned about uh, game management again. I'm concerned about playing in pieces. Four fresh guys and one tired guy. I don't know how many times tonight somebody missed the shift because somebody couldn't get off the ice. Sometimes that's uh, a large part to what the other team is doing to you, uh, hemming you in. But I don't think we played as units of five right now. I don't know if there is a little selfishness creeping in, but it'll be addressed and it will be fixed certainly hope that will be the case and look these guys are not stupid they if you show them the tape of that second period uh and again give credit where credit is due uh i thought the jets played an amazing second period but the kings are are better than what we saw in that game and certainly better uh than what we saw in that second period so hopefully as todd mcclellan said that will get fixed that will get addressed and we won't see much more of that uh going forward well gabe velarde Gets his revenge. Uh, we'll talk about that and two kings in the spotlight. That's coming up on next on this edition of Lockdown LA Kings, your team every day. Hey, score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That is $150 if your team wins. And if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there is no better time to get in on the action than right now. As much as we love betting on NFL games, you can bet on NHL games too, of course. I want to place a bet on the Kings to win their next game against the Seattle Kraken. Do you think the over-under will be more or less than six and a half goals? By the way, if you didn't know, they're always six and a half goals. Uh, just use the FanDuel app because it is, again, super easy to use. There is a wide range of betting options, including betting on the point spreads, player props, you've got over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash on and bet on the NHL and NFL this season. FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL. Well, uh, as usual, uh, we talk about what we like and didn't like from the game. And I guess I should also mention, we usually break down uh, a little bit of what happened with the goaltender. Cam Talbot was in net um, I, I thought the two goals he allowed from Nikolai Ehlers were uh, goals that no goalie's going to stop. Uh, Nikolai Ehlers was very impressive in this game. And again, Winnipeg was playing about, without their top goal scorer and top point producer in Kyle Connor, who's going to be out multiple weeks. That also rubbed a little salt in the wounds that their best offensive player didn't even play, and they still got a convincing win. But uh, the two goals allowed by Nikolai Ehlers, I thought, were certainly not soft goals. Ehlers had jump that nobody else on the ice did, and he rang a couple of shots, one off the post and in, and the other one up in the top corner. Um, there was one goal uh, that uh, Gabe Velarde scored on a backhander that was, uh, he showed great hands. We know Gabe Velarde has great hands. Uh, a backhander, almost like a no-look kind of shot into the upper corner. Uh, hard for Talbot to anticipate that. Um, then there was a rebound goal that he allowed. He just was a split second off from covering the puck, and it was Gabe Velarde in front who kept the puck alive and it was able to get over to the side of the net where Mark Shafley was able to tap it in. So all in all, 
Uh, certainly not one of Cam Talbot's better games, but uh, let, I'll put it this way. He was no worse than than his teammates were uh, on that night. And uh, not, I think early on, I thought Cam was actually very good. Um, but uh, again, uh, he didn't get much support from his teammates in that one. Uh, as far as what we did like, not a lot, to be honest with you, but it was great to get off to a 2 nothing lead. Uh, that usually bodes very well for the LA Kings getting off to a good start and getting the first goal or two. The Kings have been very successful uh, when that has happened this season. Unfortunately, it wasn't the case in this one, but always good to get off to a good start. Uh, got to make, got to have three periods of hockey, though, to put it all together. Uh, I didn't want to talk about the Alex Laferriere goal, which was uh, a wonderful shot, amazing skill, and kind of a veteran move from a rookie. Um, if you didn't see it, um, he shot the puck from a a bad angle, almost an impossible angle. He was literally below the goal line by uh, maybe a couple of centimeters. And he banked it off of the head of goaltender Connor Hellebuck and in the net. Now, I don't know how long that trick has been around, but Sidney Crosby was the first guy that I noticed doing it fairly regularly and, and scoring off of it. So I don't know if we can give that credit to Crosby or not, but that's where I've seen it from. And uh, you know, when the goaltender and Connor Hellebuck's a big goalie, when you go down and you're hugging the post because, you know, a, a player is on an angle kind of from the corner, there's a little bit of space. If you're kind of down on a knee, you know, right over your shoulder and kind of next to your ear. Um, but for a player to be able to accurately do that and pull it off is really impressive. So full credit to Alex LaFerriere. For doing that on purpose, and he definitely did it on purpose, uh, shooting it off the side of the goalie's head and having it go into the net. That is some pretty unbelievable skill uh, and very impressive for a young player to be able to do that. It's one thing for a Adrian Kempe or an Andre Kobitar to pull that off, but for a rookie, you know, in his first few, you know, 20 games of his NHL career to pull that off, um, I didn't know he had that in him. So that was actually very impressive, and we liked seeing that. Uh, I do have to mention Jacob Moverar, who was in for Vladislav Gavrikov. We talked about he would be in the spotlight for this game. Um, and I, I think the Kings got what they hoped they would get out of him. I thought he was definitely good enough. Certainly nothing spectacular. Uh, there was only one moment I remember in the first period where there was kind of a split de split second decision he had to make on whether to step up in the play or back off. And those are the things that are so difficult for a defenseman to learn, especially at the speed of the NHL level. You can maybe get away with a little bit of a hesitation in the AHL, but in the NHL, they'll make you pay. And there was just a slight hesitation by Movarar as to whether to step up and go for a kind of a loose puck in the neutral zone or not. Um, if, he, if, the, if the offensive player beats him and gets to the puck and chips it by him, then it, that's bad news. Uh, he, he was, again, just a little bit late. But he did get a piece of the puck, and that did prevent uh, anything dangerous from happening. Um, but he didn't he didn't win the battle, but he just got a little bit of piece of the puck. So it did work out for him. But it, that was the only time I noticed where he kind of hesitated a little bit. Other than that, I thought he played a pretty good game, solid, nothing, no glaring mistakes. He had a lot more shots on goal than I expected. Uh, it looked like Jordan Spence out there a little bit firing shots on net. Um, so all in all, I thought a good performance from Jacob Movarar. Not sure how much more time he's going to get going forward. I think Tob Tobias Bjornfoot has now kind of rejoined the team from that conditioning stint, so wouldn't be surprised to see uh, Bjornfoot in the next game, but we'll see. Uh, all in all, I thought Jacob Moverard did a, did a decent job. And I didn't want to uh, single out Trevor Moore. Uh, he was so close to scoring 
so many times. Uh, maybe it's a different game if he's able to get a couple of those in. Uh, eight shots on goal in the game, and I know he had at least two really great A scoring chances, just couldn't finish, but I thought offensively Trevor Moore stood out as something that we did like. As far as what we didn't like, well, we mentioned it, getting outworked. Um, you never want to see that, regardless of the opponent, regardless of the circumstances. Uh, that second period was, uh, was uh, again, full credit to Winnipeg. Sometimes you do have to credit the opponent, but the Kings just did not match the challenge that Winnipeg put on them. Uh, blowing a two-goal lead. Uh, the Kings had one game this season where they had a two-goal lead and they eventually lost, and that was in a shootout against Vegas. Uh, that was until this past weekend. So the Kings have now lost two games in their last three where they had a two-goal lead. And I think their record before Saturday's loss to the Islanders was something like 10-0-1, 11-0-1, where they jumped out to a 2-0 lead. And now the Kings have lost two of their last three games where they had a 2-0 lead. So uh happened against the Islanders, happened against the Jets. So that's uh, surprising and uh, something we have not seen and something we don't like. <laughs> we don't want to see that again. Uh, and the Kings at home, it's still it's still not as good as it needs to be. Five, five, and three. Uh, the, the, thankfully, the road record is spectacular, but the home record is just okay, and it's got to be better. Home ice advantage is, is something that good teams use uh, to play better, and the Kings just haven't done that so far this year. As far as what we didn't like, uh, obviously, Gabe Velarde sticking it to the Kings, not something I liked seeing. I'm sure you didn't like it as well if you're a Kings fan. I mean, you got to give credit where credit is due. Gabe Velarde had a great game, a career game, first four-point game in his NHL career with three assists and the goal. Uh, by the way, Alex Iafalo didn't have a point in his return, but it was all about Gabe Velarde, and it was about him going into the game, as we talked about on Wednesday's show. Um, you know, he certainly looked like he played with a chip on his shoulder. Uh, he pretty much said as much after the game when he was asked if this kind of settles things, and he said no. Um, and I can't blame him for that. Uh, and I, I've been around professional athletes enough to know that they'll use anything they can to motivate themselves to play well. And you can't deny, uh, you know, if Gabe Velarde has some bad feelings about being traded away by the Kings, about what happened in the first meeting with Blake Lazat where he got hurt. Um, that, those were real things, and he clearly uh, wasn't happy about either of them, and uh, he he used that to motivate him. It certainly appeared, and uh, he got the job done. So you for this game, you got to give him credit. Uh, you know, the first game, the Kings won. He ended up getting hurt. So round one went to uh, L.A., round two goes to Velarde, and we'll see what round three uh, has to offer. The Kings and Jets will play each other one more time late in the year. Uh, so we'll see how that goes. And um, I, I haven't really looked on social media, and nor will I probably, but I'm sure there are the people out there. Uh, we should never should have traded Gabe Velarde. Rob Blake screwed up, you know, that kind of thing. Of course, these are the same people that were saying when Gabe Velarde got hurt in the first game, oh, thank God we got rid of him. He can't stay healthy. He's fragile, that kind of thing. So like I said, give credit where credit is due. Gabe Velarde played a great game. And uh, as they say to the victor goes the spoils. Um, as far as... Velarde and Iafalo coming back. Um, there was the, what you would expect, um, you know, the greeting, if you will, welcome back boys on the message board. Um, and, and I, they, they acknowledged it, but it wasn't much. Frankly, they kind of gave, I think uh, Iafalo gave a bit of a wave and Gabe kind of nodded his head, but uh, they were in the zone. 
Uh, they were both looking to play a good game and stick it to the Kings, and Velarde certainly did that. Um, as far as any kind of bad blood that happened during the game, um, I didn't see anything. I did try and keep notice if there was any uh, times where Gabe Velarde and Blake Lazat were on the ice together, uh, and there was not much time they were on the ice together. I think only one time I really noticed it when the Kings were killing a penalty and the Jets were on the power play and they had the number one power play unit out there. So Velarde was out there for that. But other than that, I don't think they ever came together on the ice. I don't know if there was ever anything said. I know a friend of the show, Russell Morgan, said on Twitter that after the second period that Velarde was jawing with some of the Kings players as they left the ice. Um, so again, I don't think there's any question that Gabe Velarde used uh, his motivation uh, to play a big game and uh, we'll give him credit. He had a big game and uh, he deserves credit for that. Um, but as far as reading anything bigger into it than that, as far as who wins the trade and all that kind of stuff, uh, that ultimately will be decided uh, much later than after uh, just a couple of meetings. I mentioned I was going to keep an eye on Pierre-Luc Dubois going forward. Um, I thought he had a decent game. Um, he was a minus one. He did have a primary assist on the Alex Laferriere goal. Uh, he was really good in the face-off circle. He won three of his four face-offs. Um, obviously, uh, didn't have a goal. Uh, and you look at the other side, and you see the other guy that one of the guys he was traded for had a 4.9, and it's easy to say, oh, you know, complain about that. But I actually thought Pierre-Luc Dubois played a decent game. Um, there were a lot of Kings that uh, didn't stand out uh, as well. And I was going to say, um, well, Philip Deneau had a bad turnover that led to a goal. And they're like, you know it's not the Kings' night when Philip Deneau makes a glaring mistake and it leads to a goal because that almost never happens. So, um, but I honestly thought Pierre Luc Dubois played okay. Uh, I thought he played okay. Some people I'm sure will maybe will not agree with that because they want to expect a lot more from him. But I thought overall, if you looked at it objectively, uh, I thought he, he was certainly not the worst King on the ice uh, in that game. That is for sure. Uh, we are going to look ahead to what the Kings have coming up and also say goodbye to an old school LA King. We'll do that next here on locked on LA Kings, your team every day. Great athletes have one thing in common. They take care of their bodies. And a huge part of that starts with optimizing whole body health. A lot of them also drink AG1 with daily serving. Uh, each day, you're setting yourself up with 75 high-quality ingredients that give you key daily nutrients and support energy, focus, strength, and clarity. It is a micro habit that delivers macro benefits and helps everybody take great care of their health every day. If you mix one small scoop with a cup of water and drink it first thing in the morning, you're done. That's all you have to do. And it costs less than $3 a day, which if you ask me is a pretty good deal. Uh, it is really effective uh, as far as a daily habit with high quality sourced ingredients. It is a win-win. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash NHL network. That's drinkag1.com slash NHL network. Check it out. The LA Kings face the Seattle Kraken coming up this Saturday at 7 o'clock Pacific time. Uh, you can uh, catch all of the action, all the hometown broadcast of the LA Kings with Sirius XM on the SXM app. Just search LA Kings. Well, speaking of the Seattle Kraken, uh, as the Kings move forward, trying to snap that three-game skid, They'll be on the road on Saturday, and the Kings start a very interesting stretch of games starting on Saturday in Seattle, and then their next six games, so seven straight games, 
uh, are against Pacific Division opponents. Two games, home and road against the Kraken. Two games against the Sharks, road and home. Uh, a home game against the Flames and Oilers. And a road game against the Vegas. So interesting that the Kings schedule so far has seen them only play two division opponents. They had a home and home against Vegas, and then they had a road game against the Anaheim Ducks. So a lot of Pacific division rivals coming up here over the next couple of weeks. Uh, The Kings sent out a press release today, and it reads in part, the LA Kings are saddened to announce the passing of one of the club's former players, Gene Carr, at the age of 72. Gene Carr was a beloved member of the Kings and the hockey community. He was a valuable member of our team in the mid-70s, and many of the Kings' teams Carr played on enjoyed outstanding seasons. He was a charismatic player on the ice, featuring his trademark blonde hair, uh, along with being a fast and flashy skater. Off the ice, the native of Canada took to Southern California's lifestyle, where he enjoyed the music scene and was close friends with accomplished bands. The Kings extend their deepest condolences to the entire Carr family at this very difficult time. Uh, Gene Carr played for the LA Kings from 1973 to 1978, 212 games in a Kings sweater. He had 104 points, including 66 assists, uh, parts of five seasons with the Kings. He set num- numerous personal milestones in his time in LA. Um, so uh, we wanted to recognize the passing again of former LA King Gene Carr. Now, Gene was before my time. And I honestly didn't know much about him, um, but I know that we do have some old school Kings fans that listen and watch this show that have been following the Kings since their first days of existence. Uh, And so I certainly wanted to pass that news along. And I wanted to say we have a feedback show coming up on Friday and I'm a fan of history. I think uh, it's great to know about the players who came before who, you know, uh, just I like knowing about uh, the history of the team. And I, I, I continually learn uh, about the Kings, even though I've followed them closely for you know over 30 years. Uh, but if there's anybody that wants to maybe share a memory or a moment or anything about uh, Gene Carr um, that is an old school fan, again, we've got the feedback show. If you want to bust out an email and just let us a little bit, uh, let us know a little bit about him. Um, you're certainly more than welcome to do that. And condolences to uh, the family of former LA King, Gene Carr, who passed away at the age of 72 on Wednesday. Uh, Well, we uh, do have that feedback show coming up on Friday to close out the week as we do every Friday. Um, And uh, if you want to be a part of that, the email address is lockedoneddy at gmail.com. E-D-D-I-E, you everydayers know this. Uh, You can also leave your comments in the YouTube section as well if you are watching on YouTube. Uh, We would love you to stay interactive with us on social media as well. And you can also post your comments uh, that way as well. You can do it on Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it, uh, Instagram as well. Um, We are at Locked On LA Kings on both Twitter and Instagram. I'm Eddie Garcia. Thanks for listening and watching this episode of Locked On LA Kings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Have a great rest of your day. We will talk to you on Friday. And as always, go Kings go.